Welcome to Challenge Accepted, a new podcast series from the CBF, which has been developed from the experiences of families in and around Kent. Whilst working with families around the topic of their own well-being, we heard loud and clear that a lot of advice and support around well-being isn't really that helpful. When do I find time for a yoga class? How can I plan time for myself? Who's going to take care of my child? And how do we share time as a family? Ultimately, we found the biggest thing that helped was sharing experiences with other families and finding out what worked for them. So here it is, challenge accepted. Hello, I'm Gemma, Family Support Lead at the Challenging Behaviour Foundation and welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Challenge Accepted. We started thinking about the podcast around the same time that the BBC aired the one-off special of the show, There She Goes. If you haven't seen it, firstly go to iPlayer and watch it, it's brilliant. Those of you who have seen it will be familiar with the rollercoaster of emotions that's packed into each episode. One minute you're deeply moved by the difficulties the family face and the next minute you're roaring with laughter. The show tells the story of Rosie Yates, who has a severe learning disability and is non-verbal. CBF families have told us they've loved watching the show because it's the first time a central character on primetime TV, David Tennant plays the dad, has a severe learning disability and families we have spoken to frequently said, oh my God, that's just like us. We took that as our inspiration when making the podcast. We hope that it will provide some light-hearted moments whilst helping you to feel less isolated when listening to stories of situations that you may be able to identify with. There She Goes is based on the writer Sean and Sarah Pye's now teenage daughter, Joey. So I went to visit them at their home in London, which happens to be under a flight path, so please do ignore that, to hear about why they made the show, just how true to life it is, and the importance of sharing stories and connecting with other families who get it. Thank you for agreeing to do this. It's, you know, really good to speak to you. And... Obviously, the show um, received some really amazing coverage and families have told us how amazing it was to feel seen um, on the TV, you know, seeing families like theirs, showing, you know, the laughs and also the stress of caring for a child with um, severe learning disabilities. And I can imagine that some people think that you are the Yates family. So at the beginning of this, I just wanted to clear up how much of it is you guys and how much of it was made up for the show. Um, so the character of Rosie is 100% Joey Pye, our daughter, um, because uh, that that we were on... Miley, who plays uh, Rosie, doesn't have any sort of learning disability because we just we wouldn't have been able to do it if we hadn't taken that decision so she's brilliant Miley and she's lovely and she spent loads of time with Joey didn't she she watched a lot of videos um so so that she could see how Joey actually behaves in in real life and they met a lot and Joey really likes Miley and um she I mean Joey watches the program over and over again um and she just she does on the with sitting in the living room but the um she just has it on that telly and she just watches it over and over and over again and she's learned how to use the remote control so she just but the only bits not the only bits but the bits that she watches are the bits with Miley in it and she watches bits with Jolly Stories in and her books and all the stuff she recognises all the boring stuff with 
uh, just David Tennant and Jessica. She flicks through that because it's boring. Yeah, so she uh, learned how to wind. Which, so she yeah. winds it, <laughs> but she watched it. And, then, and then, so that's the biggest compliment that Miley can get is that Joey's recognising herself mm. in the performance. So <laughs> she loves all of that. She loves the bits where she kicks off and kicks me in the head and bites me and stuff. She loves watching, <laughs> <laughs> she loves watching the bits where she throws food all over the She loves it. Um, so that is absolutely um accurate and i would say uh, the rest of it is is us as well so i don't look like david tennant but he he is playing me basically and jess is playing sarah really yeah um there are so the 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 modern timelines is totally accurate i mean we've spliced it together because we've got to get it to half hour chunks so it might not happen as neatly as it happens there but everything that happens there is true um, none of it's made up. Yeah. Um, I think the only point you wanted to make was well, you make your point. Yeah, I mean, the, the point that I said to him um, after we spoke um, before was a lot of the stuff in the early timeline, and there's probably more of that in the series than there is in the special, um, is stuff that actually was never said out loud. So it's genuinely how I felt but I didn't actually talk to anybody about it. And so, oh, you know, it, it, yeah. it's genuine. But yeah, I mean, the idea of saying some of that stuff out loud to anybody at the time would have seemed totally preposterous. Yeah. The idea of putting but, on television, it just, I mean, my, myself, you know, from sort of 15 years ago would be absolutely staggered, you know, what you're doing. But it's true in the, uh, the broad, well, not the broad, the relationships are true. Yes. So the, the fact that you speak to that Jess speaks to David's character in that early timeline is a, is a true reflection yes. of the fact that I was, if Sarah was going to tell anybody anything, it was going to be me mm. uh, rather than, for example, a grandparents or friends or doctor. That, so yeah. that's so yeah. it's absolutely yeah. true there. But um, yeah, you just wanted to make the point that the dialogue, while true in terms of emotion and it's absolutely what you were going through, you just wanted to make that point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I guess when you're when you're living it, it's really difficult to talk about it, and lots of people yeah. will will be able to identify with that. I think you know that's what a lot of a lot of the feedback I've we've had. Uh, uh, one common theme that comes through is mums, especially especially mums, saying Jessica's character said the things that I was thinking. It's the mm. first time I've ever heard anyone. Yeah. articulate what I was thinking yeah. we had it the other day we did an yeah. event with Unique the other day um, which was lovely and it was lots of parents um, sort of sharing stories uh, and not necessarily related to the show but uh, a, a lot that came up a lot it came mm. up that thing of in relation to the event um, they were just saying it's just so nice to be in a forum like this where I can just say what I thought and people aren't mm. going to judge me and everyone was like <laughs> don't worry yeah. we have all all of us being in this room, we've all been down different but similar paths and sought similar things. I mean, the first one we got to speak after we said our little thing and she was like, she broke down in tears and she was like, my her daughter's 23 and she was saying, this is the first time I've ever stood up. I never thought I'd do this. And she basically echoed some of these things saying, yeah, you know, the line in the show about, wanting to grieve for the daughter I don't have and all that. She said, I've just held on to it for so many yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, and she, everyone started crying and then we started <laughs> telling anecdotes again. <laughs> back, back to dark humour. And, and that's, that's 
I think a lot of people, and we, we've spoken to other families as well, you know, there is a lot of that when family carers get together. There's a lot of being able to say those things that you might not be able to say to people who don't get it. Mm. But there is a lot of humour as well and seeing oh. humour in the situation and, you know, an- anecdotes and um, the also, I guess, other families who aren't living in a similar situation with someone with a learning disability perhaps wouldn't get either so it's yeah I mean going back to the unique event we were at just because it's the most recent one it was everybody was the same everybody stood up and would tell something funny that their son or daughter or sister or brother or whatever had done and they were hilarious I mean they were just I mean we put all of our all of our things into the show but honestly there were people coming up with stories that were just, you know wiping away tears it was so funny <laughs> what but but that was also explicit in the room that the there was a shared understanding that the, the that sort of dark humor is is part of how you cope Coping. but it's also you you are faced with situations that perhaps most people don't necessarily experience and and yeah just just having that shared experience was valuable yeah yeah Absolutely. And do you think, was that something about what made you decide to write the show that you thought, actually, we we need to get the conversation going about this? Or what was it that made you so, decide to write the show? So I do this for a living. I've written other yeah. shows on telly over the years. And to be honest, we were thinking, well, what can we do? What It was a sort of career-led thing. And we suddenly realised, hang on, we've been living for nine years as she was at the time, with the most, you know, all we do when we get together is we talk about this amazing character in our family and these awful, you know, the lows that we go through, these funny things that she does. And it's all, and we suddenly thought, we just write that down and put it on telly. Now, having said that, when we started thinking about it, um, we realised that these characters just are never on telly, ever. Uh, Or or they are occasionally, you might get... um, there was a um, Down syndrome character in Line of Duty, but it was all sort of to, um, it was all, they weren't central. It wasn't about them. It was being yeah. these sort of plot device. And then you get other, um, the children like ours are sort of brought up in other programs, but it's always so, they treat it with such a, so gingerly and delicately for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, Often know. in Doctors or Casualty, they'll be like, a character but it'll be just in in one episode so it doesn't really get explored mm. and developed no. into sort of like you know the amazing people that and, and it's often people with much milder mm. levels of yeah. disability um and i think you know showing showcasing that level of you know non-verbal severe learning disability i think is quite yeah. rare and i think the other thing that I didn't see on telly. So I, I think I mentioned this last night. I'll say again. So I was watching uh, the program about Welcome to Wrexham, which is Ron Reynolds um, and um, Rob um, McElhenney buying Wrexham Football Club. And it's it's Hollywoody and it's very watchable and it's great. But they have one episode where um, the um, main striker, who's called Paul Mullin, reveals that he has got a um, autistic son very young sort of three and then they also feature one of the fans of the club who's got autism called mm. Millie and they sort of speak to her mama it's a beautiful piece of television I absolutely recommend it it's brilliant I'm not criticising it in any way mm. you know I was in very tears good, yeah. it's very moving it's heartbreaking but they touch on that on the fact that it's tough so it's tough for Millie's mum 
bringing Millie up and it's tough on Paul Mullen bringing up his son and their family life and they they mention it but what they don't sort of show it and for obvious reasons they don't show it. why would you you know mm. it, it would seem intrusive but I, when going back to when we wrote this originally I thought well we do want to show it we don't want to I don't want to make a show that says aren't all these children you know it's tough but you know it's really rewarding at the same time I want to say yes it's funny and full of love and we'd love Joey to bits and you know they are amazing children but we're not going to sugarcoat the rest of it I mean it is awful I don't what I didn't want at any point was for someone with a child like Joey to be watching the program and thinking well our life's worse than that our life's terrible we must be doing something wrong this family on telly seem to be oh they seem they seem to just be getting on with it with sort of British sort of blithe sort of blitz spirit but weird we spend most of our time crying and thinking it's awful and I just can't cope and I just need help and it's just it's not brilliant all the time but this family they, they're just having a jolly laugh about it well we didn't want that at all no. we wanted people to watch it and go yeah that oh yeah oh oh they struggled with that did they they struggled really badly and failed at that oh well we are as well so it makes us feel a bit better you know so that yeah was, and that and that's what it does that's what families uh, told us it it, it does that's what we set out to do um we didn't really set out to start a conversation. That wasn't one of our motivations, except when the first series went out, we were so nervous about how it would be received. So nervous. Um, partly from the sort of TV reviews and stuff, because that's the world mm. I live in. And, you know, um, mm. and partly from Twitter and stuff, because that's the world I live in. And one negative review on Twitter is obviously the same as a billion people saying it's good. Cause that's, <laughs> that's the nature of Twitter. And so anyway, there's all that. What we really cared about was what the families would think. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say universally, because I don't think it probably is universal, but massively, overwhelmingly, people got in touch to say what we're saying, saying, I've finally seen my life on screen. Yeah. That was mm. what the mm. main thing people yeah. said was. Yeah, yeah. They said, uh, that's that's us, basically. Um, which was really good to hear. Um, it was a massive relief because if the families had turned around and said that doesn't represent our life at all, that isn't, then, you know, I would have felt that we'd done something wrong. But they didn't. And no. they, 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 from the charity screening, we did, there was a charity screening of the very first episode um, and we invited along all the charities, well, not all the charities because... <laughs> we didn't know <laughs> yeah, about it. We, we, we didn't know about it. Uh, charity behaviour. Um, but... So uh, Unique were there and um, sort of Mencap and all, a lot of those charities. I can't remember can't the full remember, list. But, mm, yeah. but Beverly, who ran Unique at the time, it finished and there was just this sort of silence and we were all... And then Beverly just sort of stood up and she was sort of crying and she just said, I've just seen my life on... And it was like the most cathartic moment of my life. It was like, <laughs> thank you. Oh, was my a relief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, thank yeah. you. So from that moment, when we realised it was resonating with people, then it did become a little bit more about raising awareness. So the second series has got a few more things in it which are a bit more focused on issues. And I mean, it's still absolutely driven by true events. But mm. the bit where the bit where she gets kicked out of nursery, which some people I, said didn't seem yeah, realistic, but I'll tell you, I, it was. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I mean, was some quote on Twitter: "This would never happen." No, it literally. Did. <laughs> it literally it's one did. of the worst experiences of my mm. entire life because um, I did yeah. not know that was coming. 
I just mm. went in for a meeting uh, with no warning about what it was about and was basically told that, you know, they couldn't manage with the nursery and we needed to find somewhere else. Yeah. And if I'd known it was going to be that sort of thing, I wouldn't have gone on my own. No. Um, you know, and you have to sit So there you were with, blindsided, really, absolutely. you know, because you, know, you didn't I, have I did any my support best, or You know, anything. kind of professional kind of holding it all together. And, and, you know, it was obvious that the decision was made. And it wasn't that they were totally unsupportive about what I needed to do next. It wasn't just a kind of drop, but... It really was unexpected. And it's that really unpleasant situation mm. when you've got a child with who's different, mm. where those differences sometimes, you know, you just get smacked in the face with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're not always expecting no, it. And you're not no. ready for it. And I think, um, you know, you know, families tell us that, you, like like you've experienced, you know, those, those things do happen. And yeah. unless you're living it, you might think, well, actually... No, of course they wouldn't be that that harsh about it, or you know. But sometimes, sometimes yeah. that is families' experiences. So to see it sort of like played out, and it, it was from a practical point of view. You know, the, mm. essentially there was a reason why they couldn't get the additional resources they needed to support her in that nursery. Mm. It's all to do with boroughs and boundaries yeah. and funds and all those sorts of things. You know, all the boring stuff. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that. Every other child who's in this nursery could be accommodated, and you're telling me mine can't. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> the one thing I would say about raising awareness and issue, I'll come to talk about the special, but there is, there are a lot of times we thought, should we do something about this issue or that issue, and paint our situation as worse than it was to raise the issue, and we decided that we weren't allowed to do that. We had to be honest. We just mm. so there's a lot of things that parents and families of children like Joey go through that we've got lucky with, basically. So, for example, in the programme, our family support worker, um, who's in real life is Rhea and is now Ronnie, but Rhea's still involved, is portrayed as this incredibly sweet, incredibly helpful person. It's not... we, we it, We're not running into brick walls with her. She's very supportive. She helps... And that's because it's true. She just is. But I'm fully aware. I've heard lots of stories of people saying that isn't what it's like when we're mm. trying to get help from our yeah. local authority. Mm. But we had to present our own experiences yeah. as true. So yeah. I, I couldn't have invented a, an awkward, bureaucratic, sort of stonewalling figure of authority that we never get anywhere with. Because it's not true. Because Rhea's yeah. been incredibly supportive. Yeah. Similarly, the, the way we portray the school in the show, I know lots of parents have got real problems with school and whether they get them into special school or mainstream school or mm. but we weren't really in a position to highlight those issues for people because it's not true we had advantages there in some ways though didn't we i mean you know very before she went to school um you know we weren't in any denial about the level of her need um, mm-hmm. Although we did look at mainstream options, I didn't expect that to be realistic for her. And it was very obvious on any sort of inspection thinking, whatever, that it just wasn't, it, there's no point, it there's no worked. benefit to anybody. Um, and, you know, looking at the sort of local special schools, again, it was just really obvious where the right place was. Mm. But I'm coming at that first, I am actually a healthcare professional. You know, my mother's a head teacher, or she was, you know, we've got teachers in the family. We understood the system. So for us, that bit wasn't difficult. Yeah. But for obviously, there are many, many families where that really, really is. Yeah. And heart, mm. heart goes out to them. Because even when you do understand the system, which which we did, 
there's still aspects of it which are not easy and incredibly time consuming so mm. what it's like when you've really got no, no yeah, idea absolutely. no steerage and and everybody's kind of telling you well we're not allowed to give you an opinion oh, so yeah. why not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't need it but it's still frustrating but mm. how are people how are they meant to educate yeah. themselves and understand these things when they've never had to have any yeah. knowledge of that world before yeah and that, that's what a lot of families tell us you know I'm trying to navigate this system that I don't understand because this is my first time of having to deal with it and I thought that it would just all kick in and I'd have all the support that I needed and it would just be there and it's a shock that it's not yes. and you know the system is really complicated and broken and doesn't always work for you know people with severe learning disabilities and so it's really really hard but I think you know like you said you've told your honest story and probably if you just started sort of like changing bits to sort of like highlight issues and things it wouldn't it wouldn't have the same authenticity we always said from the word and I still say absolutely this is Joey Pye's story this isn't a story about general about any child with um, learning disability or autism it's not it is specifically about one person and if there's similarities in other people's stories that's great and if people can take things from what we've done and it helps them that's great or or whatever Mm. but it is Joey Pye's story it is um, and we can't deviate from that Um, I mean the only thing about sort of raising awareness when we came to make the special BBC Let's Make the Special um, it was off the back of getting the diagnosis and the story just wrote itself really because we just wrote down what happened in those few months but I did want to highlight the role of charities Mm. I did want to make a big thing unique specifically but I hope all charities sort of get the idea of at the end of that it's there is help available yeah yeah and I, I think and you should take it it's because yeah. we I, I I it's not it's not explicit in the program but I was wary of charities for a long time and I it's hard to put my finger on why I think I had just thought they were all sort of going to be sort of I don't know was it a religious thing I, I just <laughs> I just thought it would be <laughs> I just thought, how can they possibly help me? Mm-hmm. How can they yeah, help yeah. me? And they'll come into my house and they'll look at what I'm doing and it'll all be wrong. And yeah. you know, <laughs> that's what I felt. I just felt these really well-meaning people come and tell me that if I just do this or Sarah, if, we have had a bit of this, by the way, a bit of, I won't name names, but there was somebody who came to one of the screenings who basically said, um, you know, we've just got to remember if you just love these children, then actually they're sort of amazing and no it was um the the exact thing the person said was um that it was a shame that i hadn't had the the right support when she was born because if i had had the right support you know i I wouldn't have had to go through that you know that i would have loved her and valued her from the beginning and (laughs) i I didn't respond to it um in in that way you know thank them for the comment whatever but 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 it isn't true I can categorically state that there is nothing that anybody could have done at that time that would have in any way made that situation better, other than possibly more practical help. If somebody had actually literally taken her off me for a few hours every day so that I could be a human being for a bit, that would have helped. Nothing else would have. No. but that yeah. in those uh, that was just a feat, and that was sort of that wasn't just about getting help from charity. That was sort of getting. I felt that we should be able to handle it on our own, 
and it was mm. our problem to deal with. And it, I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I was just utterly and completely wrong. And I hope that if the programme does anything, it's that if you think that your child has learning disability or has been diagnosed with something, or then just just get just find the websites and just get in touch with people and get. It's not an admission of failure to turn and round and say we could do with some help. And the amount of it's the other thing that I've come to realise is I also thought it would be a bit sort of touchy feely, I suppose, and people come round for a coffee and just go, oh, "That's really annoying." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I've come to realise over the years is that it just isn't that. I mean, the help you get from some of the charities is practical in terms of it's the sharing of experiences is the is the thing and the people in the one a group which is what we're you know i went to the thing that they ran uh, a get together <clears throat> i could only be there for a day but just suddenly realized i was in a room with the world experts on Dirt one a i mean these people know because yeah. they've various you know years and years and years of living with the same child with the same condition that i've got um just realised that these there wasn't a question that these people couldn't answer. Yeah. So it's that sort of help. It's real help. It's not mm. it's not arm around the shoulder help. And the work that you do, I'm sure <laughs> you know far more than me. I'm going down a rabbit hole there. But you know, it's practical help, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's you've got a problem. Well, we can point you in this direction. Yeah, we can yeah. point you in this direction. So and helping just, navigate that system, which you've said, is really difficult to to navigate. Um, and you know, I've been supporting families for a long time, and sometimes I go, if I can't work out what's going on here and who we need to speak to <laughs> and why they've made that decision, how is anyone without support yeah. meant to um, navigate that? That's so the- I think it's really good to hear you say like that the support of charities has it's, been really it's, helpful. It's it's essential and I would um, urge everyone to um, get involved the point you were making was about the pit form it's like I mean Sarah's a doctor um, psychologist psychologist Dr Sarah Crawford <laughs> so I mean she's ed- very educated and you were saying I'm struggling to fill this out on behalf of our daughter but if you were someone with learning disability who was being asked to fill out this form on behalf of your I mean mm. some of it I didn't understand the question yeah, I mean, for for me, the challenge was more than a length of time oh, that it took. Well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm filling it in as somebody who fills in these sorts of forms day in, day out, advises other people how to do it. You know, and it took me ages to actually, I mean, I had to ask for an extension twice um, because... I just couldn't face sitting down to do it. It was so daunting, the length of it. Yeah. Once I got started on it, it was <laughs> fine. I've joked, I've joked, I've semi-joked, but I, I say, I've said this as a joke with various other families that we've met up with, um, with the chromosomal and learning difficulties. But the, say, the joke is you just say, we could fill out the form or we can invite the guy f- from DWP, Department of Work and Pensions, over and we could just get him to look after Joe for five minutes. And then we can just say, can she have the money? And he'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the parents, I say, they, they laugh. They say, but that's what we think. Come and look mm-hmm. after, you know. I think the diff- most difficult thing about that particular process, given that we're talking about it, um, it wasn't the understanding the questions or how to answer them, um, because I could do all of that. It's the fact that it's the slap in the face again, because every single question is kind of assuming a level of ability. And it's like, my child does not have this ability, like full stop. 
is never going to be able to. But more importantly, I would give anything for to actually be able to do this, to be capable of learning this. So as Mm. a parent going through every single page, you are confronted again and again and again with the fact that your kid can't do what everybody else's takes for granted. And I just think that that's really tough. I think the whole way that all the systems are set up, Mm -hmm. you know, in this country... You know, parents have to go through this again and again and again and again and again because nothing talks to each other. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they really, you know, I think they see it at that very kind of, you know, sort of medical factual level without ever thinking about that emotional impact that that has. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's such a good point because, you know, I, I think I think it's something that people tell us time and time again is that, the benefits forms in particular you are saying what your child what your relative can't do and the emotional impact of that because you want to say what they can do and all the amazing things that they can do and all the you know the joy that they bring to your life and you're so used to doing that that when you have to sit down and do this form that's negative like you say you're kind of like this is this is hard and it's it's just the way everything on it is framed yeah. You know, there's just that assumption that either you will be able to do this thing or you need a little bit of support with it. Mm. You know, you need somebody to help you fill in because you can't read the form properly. You need a little bit of tweak of help with that. It's like, no, she no, just no. can't do this at all. And you that's know, the, never, 100% that's, of the And the time. fact that it gets, the older she gets, the more obvious it is that she she's different to other kids. Mm. I mean, it's really heartbreaking. Oh, there's a sort of a period where it really starts becoming obvious mm-hmm. you know after the age of sort of three and four and then and you know i don't know we're just so used to it. it's it been 17 years 17 and a half years and so it's just our norm it's just our normality and we don't but you know family gatherings when she's got all her cousins around and things just it's she's just it's, she's just not the same as other mm-hmm. children and she can't do she can't join in with things you know she can't join in with she can't come out for meals. She can't. We used to be able to. We used do to that. take her out for meals, oh. but it reached that That's was behavior. That, that was a big behavioural yeah. change when. We, what was it? We were in the. We took her to a beer garden with some friends of ours who were lovely. They're our best friends, but they were sort of. They were trying to be nice to us because they're our closest friends. Um, but they were sort of saying, "Oh, she's fine. Don't worry about her. She's fine." And there was a bit of me going. Just leave this to me, all right? <laughs> I know you. I know you mean you mean well, but they're going. She's fine. She's just enjoying herself. And I'm like, all right, let's let it play out. And you know, she within about two minutes, she'd thrown a pint glass across the beer garden. She kicked over the table. She was trying to smash everyone's drinks. She pulled. She the- pulled the thing i mean it was just carnage and then sarah tried to restrain her and she kicked sarah in the head knocked her earring out so sarah had blood streaming down her face there <laughs> and you know at this point i get to turn around to my friends and go yeah we're, we're gonna take her home now but it's it's <laughs> so yeah. she gets totally rewarded she gets totally <laughs> rewarded and that wasn't that, the, the thing that will resonate i'm sure with a lot of people listening to this she she didn't flip she didn't suddenly freak out because she hated it she just got bored just like what can I do what can I she do to make this more and now she's more big fun. and strong yeah she's bored yeah. when she was yeah. little a, a it wouldn't have occurred to her she wouldn't have done the problem solving but B if she had we'd have been able to manage it but you know she's about 5'1 now and she's strong yeah um, and she's yeah. determined and she knows her own mind kicked her. Mm. We, to the last meal we took her to we thought let's just try we got the upstairs it was in a 
place in Richmond and they had the upstairs was closed. It's on two floors. But they said, we'll open it. They love Joey, by the way. There's yeah. loads of people yeah. just adore Joey and they'll do whatever they can to help Joey. Everyone around here knows her and it's like everybody asks about it. So anyway, they said, we'll open it up for you. You can have the entire upstairs to yourself. And we thought, that's really kind. Thank you. So it was quiet up there. We sat her down. We had iPads. We had drawing books. We had Toys. all the normal stuff. And she just got bored, and after five minutes, she just kicked the table over. And so we tried. We tr- there was one bit where I was lying on the sort of bench to try and pull it because she climbed on top of the table after that, yeah. didn't she? And I sort of pulled her down, and she was just like lying on top of me, just sort of kicking me in the groin. And uh, I was wrestling with her, and the sort of waitress, who's lovely, and they all came up, and we just went. Ah, I think we'll. I think then, we'll just we'll just pay for these drinks, and I think we'll go. And they're so lovely; they just went, don't just it's everything's fine. Whatever you um, we, they, a, so um, so much of life is. I'm I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> just apologize. Um, I'm so sorry. Terribly <laughs> sorry, but the, the nice thing to report, just because you've got me down there thinking, is that most people are really understanding. Not everyone is. Some people yeah. we've encountered aren't nice at all. But it's most the, people are. Most people are, and there's there's a bit in the special. Which is based on when uh, we were on holiday, actually. Um, but Joey went up to a boy in the swimming pool, in the paddling pooly bit, and she hit him. Pinched him, I think. Pinched him. It's like in the show. And yeah. The, the, the mum was quite imposing and quite... And she marched over to Sarah and just said, you're doing a really good job. You're just... We're all... We've been seeing you here. It was near the end of the holiday. We've all been... All the mums have been chatting and... We didn't really know what to say, but, you know, we're just all really proud of you. Yeah. Um, and Sarah, obviously, was in floods of tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that must make just such a difference. It does. Someone, someone acknowledging that it's hard. Like, I don't really know what to say, and I can't make it better for you, but I just want to yeah. say something in support. And I think that's... It's really nice that you include those things in the show, because you could have just made a show that says, it's really hard, everyone's really mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> And when we were writing the first pilot, you know, we had to do a sort of pilot to prove to the BBC we could do it. Then well-meaning people, but people in telly I work with said, oh, no, this te- tell you what would be really funny if like the next door neighbour's really horrible and you've got to. And I was like, but I want this show to be about truth. And the truth mm. is they're not. The overriding thing you get from most people is that they don't know what to say. Mm. They mm. don't know. they, And that's fine. That is fine that you don't know what to say. I don't hold it against you. I wouldn't. I get it. If I see a, somebody with a child with some sort of disability, I'm not sure I'd be able to go up to someone, you know, with cerebral palsy or something, and just automatically be, you know, it's it, it's it's not. It, it is difficult, and it's fine, and that's fine. Yeah. But I didn't want to present the entire world as uncaring and horrible because mm. they're not really. Yeah, no. And it is really, yeah, in those sorts of situations when there has been something happen, you know, she's done some sort of behaviour where you feel like it's against the social norm and you're worried about whether people are judging you and, you know, you're not even quite sure sometimes in the moment how to handle it, to have people be kind. Mm is so helpful. It was a time on a train. We were on a train and we'd had to go and sit in first class because we had to get a table. So we just upgraded ourselves uh, just because it was the only way we could get a table for four people and we could wedge Joey into the corner so she can't... And she likes the train. Anyway, the sort of... the 
guy came down doing the teas and coffees or something and we said is there any food and he went no we haven't got any food i'll have to serve everyone first and then i'll come and get you some food and i said something just like oh we really need some food because my daughter i mean i'll go and get oh and he just got really uppity with me he was like really oh gosh and he went back and he said he went and found some crisps didn't he mm-hmm. and he sort of stormed back to the he was in such a bad mood he stormed back and he threw the crisps onto on the, the table, table. Yeah. just threw them he went there what you happy now i'll get them and one of the bags hit joey and he looked round, and he it just in that split second i thought you've only just noticed haven't you and his face i've never seen anyone the color drained from their face <laughs> As he clearly was thinking, oh, that's my job gone. If, if I've just thrown something in the face of a learning disabled autistic girl. And he was like, from that point onwards, I, we couldn't get rid of him. Was, from that point onwards, he was like, he was like, chained to us. You, you just wouldn't engage with him, would you? I was, I was doing I was like, my well, best. That's, you know? that's so well, that's an example of the fact that um, he, 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 he was fine to be uh, an arsehole, frankly. Because when he thought he was just arguing with this like bolshy bolshy dad who's come to sit in first class and because he's, he's, he's thinks he's better than everyone else and he, he was fine he was on that level but I tell you as soon as he saw Joey he was like <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh well maybe he learned a lesson that well, day well hopefully he learned a lesson that day but it's just the general point that yeah. as soon as people clock Joey it's it's very hard for anyone and as I say. Sort of, they don't either. They don't know what to say, or if they get to know her, then they're lovely. Our next door neighbours here, because we moved since the show, so they move in the show. But uh, uh, like Diane used to work at Joey's school, not mm. with Joey, but so I mean, that's it, just ridiculous coincidence. coincidence. And yeah. then their son Ben did as well. So you know, from day one, it's been they've known exactly what to say, and they're yeah brilliant with her, and so that's Aww. sort of lovely, yeah. but. Generally, generally people, no, it's nice. Little things. I mean, my mum says, you know, one of the kindest things anybody ever did for her was when Joe clearly had pain She and they were out just the two of them and she was just tantruming, wouldn't go anywhere. And a young woman asked if she could help, mm. you know, and my mum was able to give this woman some money. She went to the chemist, bought some Calpol and then my mum could manage the situation because that's what was needed. Yeah. But, but there was no way of it getting... It's just that little thing. Yeah. And it, what, what was the meaning of it was that somebody... Everybody else was walking past and somebody said, can, can I, I help, help you? Yeah. I had and the sometimes same train that time. The, you know, other families that we've spoken to have said sometimes people can't help and it's easier if they don't yes. help. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that they've asked yes. if they could help is... Yes. is 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 the kind thing because yeah. sometimes you know it's just yeah. you know please don't because yeah. it's just gonna one get more difficult shows, yeah exactly one of, the yeah. Shows, one of the shows i worked on is a show called jerk which is on bbc3 i co-wrote it with tim renkow who's got cerebral palsy and um he always because this came up again and again as we were writing because it was all about how people interact with tim um and he always said the same line, which I, has stuck with me, is what he wants, if it looks like he's in trouble, he wants two things. He wants people to ask if they can help. And when he says no, he wants them to go away. Yeah. <laughs> what, what he says, the thing that happens to him over and over again is that people say, can I help? And he says, no, I'm fine. And they think he's being polite. So they start trying to help him with his walker or his wheelchair or something. And he's like, I told you no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we don't really get that with Joey, I don't think it's... No, I don't think so. Mm. But there's things like, I mean, 
she she's fine normally going on railway trips, railway train trips um, to places, but she's not so great coming back because it means grandma's over or Christmas or is over yeah, or holidays over finished. or whatever. So you've had to manhandle her off trains more than once. Yeah, she's just gone ballistic. And that, that was and it, but that's when that man helped you then, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, she just absolutely, like, flick of a switch went in that game. I mean, I knew she was getting agitated, mm. but I didn't expect it to just go. Um, you know, and obviously, I mean, you, you guys know that challenging <laughs> behaviour. You know, this is what can happen. And I probably perhaps wasn't paying attention enough, maybe being a little bit too optimistic. But I hadn't realised just how ready to go she was. And she was I mean she, within a second she was on top of the seat she banged her head on the luggage rack above you know she was trying to hit members of the public I'm trying to stop her from doing that so she's practically on top of me and I re- I've got to get her off this train mm. um you know we've got 30 minutes left to go but you know we're coming to a station soon and I have got to get her off the train yeah. and this carriage was full of people and everybody's doing their level best to ignore <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the thing that I, that's one other behavior that other people <laughs> members of the public do around joe which does it's again they're just trying to be nice but when she's kicking off and she's going mad and she's just screaming and doing her noises or (laughs) biting herself or clearly you get a specific reaction from a certain sort of person which is if i get up and go and sit in another part of the train or the bus or it's going to look rude it's going to look like i'm i'm (laughs) being like oh your child can't you control your child Whereas what I want to scream at them, and Sarah wants to scream at them, is, will you please move? Because it'll make it better. <laughs> you be, I'm worried that she's going to hit you. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you just go and sit over there, I don't think you're rude at all. <laughs> I think you're doing me a favour, all right? I, so I you're can't sitting there control trying, her at the moment. <laughs> I can't control her. And, and so you're being all British and nice and thinking, well, no, actually, because this mum really is, or this dad, but normally this mum is really, no, I'm not going to add to her by making, by being rude and having her th- worry about, uh, and you're just thinking, you're doing the obvious thing. You want to shout circle of danger, don't you? Circle of danger. Just go away. Anyway, I did manage to go off the train, but of all the people, everybody ignored me except one person who picked up something we dropped, made sure I got it, asked if he could help, and then, you know, then I'd stop weeping as I'm trying to get off this train. Somebody's being so kind. You get it. it. There's a charity shop near us that she's become obsessed by because it sells toys, and she runs in and just starts looking through all the toys, and you get mums in there. Um, and dad, sorry, I don't mean, but it is mums normally with parents, parents you with get parents. young kids <laughs> who are looking at the toys and they're just, because of where we live, it's normally quite posh people and it's all sort of, no, this little girl wants to look as well. So should we, sh- if you want to look at the thing, should we, should we share with a little, and you just think it really help if you just took your children out of the shop for five minutes and then brought them back. <laughs> she doesn't share. <laughs> she won't share with you. She's not going to share. She's not going to share. And if your son takes it off her, there's a high likelihood she's going to hit him. So. And she's a lot bigger yeah. than he is. You know? I mean, these are yeah. toys for toddlers. Um, and she's 17. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, it would just really help if you did the thing that you probably want to do, which is to take your kids away from the dangerous girl. So if you could do that, that'd be great. <laughs> and then, honestly, we'll drag her out of this shop. Yeah. We're, we're not staying here long. We have to do this pretty much every day. <laughs> we're in, look, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. There's only so long we can be in here before we go insane. <laughs> and there was one scene in the in the special, I think it was, where um 
Emily Yates, when she received Rose's diagnosis, she talks about like the blame that she experienced as a parent and, you know, the unhelpful advice that was offered, often by well-meaning professionals as well as, you know, other parents, family members and things like that. And how did you sort of manage that of a family if it was something you experienced? Because a lot of our families tell us that they experience this kind of like parent blame you know have you tried the naughty step have you tried a sticker chart and and sort of like especially in the early days mate. the roots of it come from kind so i'll say it sarah doesn't want to say it's grandparents so the grandparents on both sides of our family are the most lovely kind people in the world they really are and um it came from kindness originally and the kindness was they didn't want to see me or sarah or frank or son didn't want to see us upset. So the easiest thing to say is, I'm sure there's nothing wrong. Mm. I'm sure everything will be all right. We don't know, you know, but you know, there's no point worrying about it. And she seems fine to me. And as time goes on, that starts to be, well, if there's nothing wrong with her, this is the line from the show. If there's nothing wrong with her, there's something wrong with us then, isn't there? Because this isn't normal. Mm. And that... I mean, you. I'm, I'm dad splaining again. <laughs> I'm dad splaining how you felt, but. Yeah, um, I think it's really hard because I did know something wrong was wrong with her, um, and it wasn't that it was totally ignored, but I think that I didn't feel listened to as to the fear of how wrong it was. Um, and again, it's incredibly, um, I don't want to say the slap in the face again, because it's not like that, but I think it's that sort of disempowerment of, you know, you're trying your best to cope with a situation that you know is not just difficult, normal difficult, but it's Mm. beyond that, that there's Mm. something else wrong. And if everybody's telling you there's nothing wrong, you know, that held held no meaning. I knew there was, but it's like, so you're you're totally invalidating me by telling me that it's all okay. Mm. It isn't, you know, and, and that in turn kind of gives the message of the rest of the world thinks you should just be able to get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another tack that was taken by um, the character in the show is um, Grandad John we call him but it's my stepdad basically he's a lovely lovely man and it all comes from kindness yeah. it, all of it I can't emphasise that enough but he took the approach of um, this needs a bit of tough love so he what didn't take the approach of everything's going to be fine he took the approach of we've just got to get on with it haven't you I mean yeah life's dealt you this but you know, we all overcome things in our lives. You just got to get on with it. And that came from a sort of thinking that, um, because he brought up many children and of, um, you know, some kids are easy and some kids are hard and you just got to get on with it. And I think it wasn't until the programme came out and he watched it that he realised that Joey isn't at the extreme end of a bell curve in terms of behavior it's not like you have the well-behaved kids and the naughty kids she was on a different curve her head is wired differently she's she's not like other children um i mean there was an alternative when we came up with there she goes the other possible title which we quickly decided not to do 
because it was the girl from Mars. We were mm-hmm. thinking of calling it because we wanted to name it after a song. Yeah. Um, so that's the Ash song. And we yes, quickly then, said yeah. no because that really is saying that she's. It would make her too different. It's quite a horrible thing mm-hmm. to say. But it stuck with me the idea that it, it's. Joey's not. In many ways, she's not on some continuum that is mm-hmm. that is down here. It's not. And so the sort of things that you would do when you bring up children. Like naughty stairs, yeah. Like, yeah. like routine, bedtime routines, things about eating and how you get them to eat. She's not on these pathways. No. Social she's reinforcement. Not on them. She's not interested in praise. No. Um, you can't tell her off. You can't tell her off. Can, um, but <laughs> but it has the totally friends. opposite effect because she. Just, I mean, she either ignores it or she finds it hilarious. Yeah. Um, it, there's there's so much that you can do with, yeah. You know, sort of developmentally typical kids that you cannot do with something like Joe because it simply doesn't work she's no. not wired in the same way no. she does she now has this slightly I would say more but for years she had no concept of consequence mm. none at all mm. yeah none at all there was no if you do this then you get this it just didn't work or no. similarly punishment if this happens then you'll be punished she just didn't yeah. she well no it's not concept. connecting the two it's who yeah. is it and, and often you know it's it's about sort of like getting your needs met and communicating through through your behaviour because you've got no other way to do it. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter if someone, you know, takes something away from you afterwards because you're just trying to communicate what, what you want. Yeah, and so... Yeah, yeah. And um, as you say, yeah. she's not linking those two things anyway. And, yeah. You know? And the other thing, you know, people say to you, you know, you've just got to be patient. Like you would say to someone if you, they had a neurotypical kid you would say you've just got to be patient and you've just got to keep you know keep taking to the toilet every 10 minutes or whatever or you've just got to work at this Uh, joey has she won't get she will get bored what i mean is there's no she will you will run out of patience before she does Mm -hmm. if she wants something Mm -hmm. if she wants something she will ask for it or try and make you do it inexhaustible her ability to go on about something <laughs> yeah. inexhaustible it's she, she communicates she, about christmas to us every single day of the mm-hmm. year that includes christmas day it includes the day before christmas day the day after christmas day and every single day in between that she yeah. wants us to know that christmas is brilliant and she wants it to be christmas and if she um, wants like associated with christmas if she wants the amazon man to bring her a present then she will ask for it and it, honestly she'll it, go for about three months yeah. There is no point. If you think we we will wait this out and she'll get bored of asking for this at some point, with challenging behaviours, by the way, because if she doesn't get it, she'll kick off yeah. and she'll attack us and she'll do all of her stuff and throw things about. And I have I will crack before she... I'll say, I just can't do this anymore and I will get her whatever she wants. Bores us into and And people go, well, you can't do that. You can't reward that behaviour. And it's like... Until you've been in my house mm. for two and a half months with her mm. asking for a, a worm woos it or a certain book or a, a present to be bought by the Amazon man or until you've been there, literally, it does not stop. It goes, she, she never tires and it can be at its worst. It is four, five, six times a minute constantly for hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it's that combination of the learning disability and the autistic 
type behaviors mm-hmm. so she can't learn in the way that other kids do it's no good saying you know wait it out no she's not she's not the same it doesn't work with her it's a learning disability but obviously she's also really rigid she's stereotyped it's perseverative you know all of those behavior traits that yeah, yeah and, and he, he says you know she she does not get bored those interests go round and round and round and round on loops in her head and drive, drive us crazy. And she effectively <laughs> communicates oh, what yes. she wants oh, and gets very it. Good. That, that is a really interesting observation <laughs> and a really interesting observation that Sarah made a while back and I went, which is that her, as her development has come on, as she has, her learning has got better. I mean, it's on a very, very, very gradual gradient. But she obviously does know more words now and she can communicate better than she did, say, two years ago or three years ago. You know, she is developing. But as that gets better, her ability to express her autistic side of her personality has gone exponentially. So once she's discovered ways of communicating in the past, you could sort of sit there because she just sort of grunts something. And now she can type it out on an iPad. She can find pictures on a phone of what she wants mm. she can she's got some her sort of own made up macaton that she or sort of a sort of macaton yeah. she's got isn't it so she's got lots of different ways of telling you that she wants a worm woos it or, a, or she wants jolly stories or she wants any of these christmas, things yeah. christmas yeah. and it's relentless yeah. relentless <laughs> and, and and i don't think um you know, we we don't think that it's not the case that she is communicating something, say Christmas, and she actually wants us to produce Christmas, and then she's annoyed because we haven't produced it. She knows that it isn't Christmas. She knows exactly when Christmas is. She understands time. School managers teach her the concept of time, so she knows it's twenty fifth of December. She knows what month we're in now. She she has a concept of how far away those things are, but she just wants to tell us that she likes Christmas. Yeah. So from her point of view, just typing the word Christmas is rewarding, and it's rewarding if she does it seventy five times in the space of an hour. <laughs> yeah and i think that's a really good point that other families will be able to identify with is some behaviors that are challenging are not the things that you necessarily think of as a challenging behavior yes we think of hitting people turning tables over you know throwing things as challenging behaviors but actually Asking for something constantly. Repetitive noise. Repetitive yeah. can be, yes. Is, um, is, I mean, I'd rather she was constantly asking for Christmas than smashing her head into a wall and biting me on the arm. I mean, that's, yeah. I'd rather that, but it is, it wears you down. It, yeah. it really wears you down. I think the mental exhaustion of it mm. is something that it's really hard for people to relate to unless they've experienced it. Because yeah. it is that sort of same old, same old, same old thing over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, and obviously, as a parent, that's every day. Yeah, you don't um, get break. You don't get to go yeah. home in the evening like, you know, teachers, teachers. and teaching assistants <laughs> yeah. and respite and I mean, workers. These people do, are you know, yes, they yes, are yes, people. absolutely. Are yes. But we are not saying that they're not. <laughs> we are not dissing any of these no, people. No, no, but what we're saying is, you know, they, they get a break and they get a break for a reason. You know, lots of... Um, schools and respite services and and care providers will have that as one of their strategies a change of face you know because yes it's it's recognized but yeah as a family 
you you don't get that you know if it's if it's constant it's constant and it and it's exhausting and I guess if you're not living that every day and someone says well you know she likes she asks about Christmas constantly oh well that can't be that hard but you're like yeah you're not living it you're oh, not yeah. living it <laughs> and, and so again it's only people who are experiencing and, and living with someone with with those same behaviors and and level of needs that will probably get it it's so that's true. why I it's mean, good to one of her latest things up. is that she's um she i think i said this last time but i she has started she came in and she wanted to tell us something it took us a while to figure out what it was but what it was is she wants mummy to take her to the park to steal uh a Woos it toy from a random baby's buggy. This is what she wanted. And then when Sarah said, explain the concept of not yours, it's not yours. She got very excited at the idea that it wouldn't wouldn't be hers and it would be somebody else's. So it was cute. It was gorgeous. So I tell that story to people and they laugh because it is funny and it's like her adventures. Now that was about a month ago that started and she asked for it every single, when she gets home, she will ask for it and we'll have to do the walk. We have to do the walk where we go to Mortlake Green and on Sundays we have to then carry on round to bar. It's a specific route you've got to do. And again, you might think, well, that's lovely. You get to go fresh air walk. And it is, but it's suddenly become part of the nightmare because it's just all the time. It's stopped being funny. It's like... It's a chore. It's and, constant. And, I mean, she doesn't even look in the baby's buggies. It's like no. it's become a ritual just yeah. to do the walk. Mm-hmm. And so, she still types that, baby buggy woos it. Um, but yeah, she isn't actually. I mean, thank goodness, because obviously, if she actually did see such a toy and tried to steal it, we're in a whole different, different. kind of ball game problem. Yeah. But yeah, it's just the fact that we've got to do the same thing over and over and mm. over again. Mm. So that's a perfect example, because I imagine people would find that funny thing. Oh, that's a really gorgeous thing for a gorgeous little 17 year old girl with learning disability to do. But it's just I, until you can break her out of that loop, mm. then it's going to go on and on. School of Spence. School of really, they always talk to us about how to break her out of thought loops, mm. and it's just not easy, is it? No. And, no. and they don't find it easy either. To be no, fair. I mean it's yeah. Um, yeah. Are there sort of any little like wins that you take for yourself in you know because you've obviously got really busy lives. You're sort of like doing this routine and ritual of having to walk around the park and you know all of those things how do you guys take time for yourselves to kind of you know just keep yourself sane you know sometimes to want of a better word um well you've got a job well i was just gonna say i mean i don't know if it's cheating to talk about work um that's what a big part of what keeps me sane although obviously that brings its own challenges but um I mean, one of the most important things I ever did after she was born was go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back slightly earlier after I had Joey compared with our son. Um, and frankly, I wish I'd gone back even because <laughs> <laughs> um, just the uh, just the ability to have to be in an environment where people talk to you like a human rather than a mum. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate in that sense that I've got a very interesting and intellectually challenging job. So the contrast between the sort of repetitive walking around the same loop with my daughter compared with what I'm doing at work is, is really big. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I couldn't possibly be at home all the time. I cannot relate to anybody who does that. I mean, mm. I, I, I absolutely respect people's um 
you know, people choosing what works for them, but I just can't imagine it. My head mm. would be empty. Um, but it isn't just, I mean, well, no, I don't know. I mean, you, you also work. Yeah, I work. I mean, lockdown is, is the purest form of being at home and not being able to get out, and it almost drove all of us insane. It did drive Joey insane. I think, well, what counts yeah. for her is to say, as in her challenging behaviour, yeah. it's the worst she's ever been. I'm sure you've heard this from yeah, lots of people. Yeah, it's the worst she's ever been. It's the worst self-harming she ever did. Yeah. It, it, it was awful. I mean, she was mm. smashing her head into the wall. It was awful. It really yeah. was really upsetting. Um, but she Pulling her now, hair out. She's pulling her hair yeah. out. But she's passed through that. Yeah. Um, mm. But, but yeah, so my, my work, I would say, um, but also I would say that we have had some help with care over the mm-hmm. years so um we had a lovely martyr helped us out for mm. quite a while um yep. and i would say that we get some provision so she gets crofters and after school clubs. club weekend clubs yeah. holiday that's all vital clubs mm. is is good and then i would say over the years the other thing that's really helped us is our son who um is he's gone to university now? He's went to university a few weeks ago, and it's really, really noticeable how you just notice that he was an absolute pressure valve. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, he brought his own pressure. I'm not saying he was a, <laughs> not saying he. It was all it was all sweetness and light with him, but especially in recent years, as he's got older mm-hmm. and he sort of got out of the terrible teens, um, and actually early on when he was young as oh, well, when he was. He little, was, he was, he was yeah, Sarah's absolutely. absolute little My pr- little prince. His little prince. If Sarah, you know, and for me as well, spending time with him. But for you to take yourself off and build the Lego Death Star, or yeah, or read your books, or do your drawings, or doing your stories stuff and that stuff. she either wouldn't be able to do, or wouldn't be yeah. interested in. So that was a real way out there and then in recent years just having him around hey because he does he took some of the pressure off he will look after her and um do things not massively but there was always that option that yeah. he could we could pop out for a, when he was here if we wanted to go to the pub for an yeah hour, in the last couple of years yeah, since he's been older. we could do that or just go for a walk or just yeah. anything so he he really helped um but i mean well, we, we do do you know, just thinking of that sort of gen- more general well-being stuff, which I'm assuming is kind of where you were getting at. I mean, I swim, um, yeah. you know, two, three times a week. Um, you know, we both like to walk. I mean, we're lucky we live somewhere where there's, you know, really nice places to walk, you know, just get I was, out. I was about to uh, say... I was go for just, meals. I was thinking of standard things that people might say, and I was about to say we go on holiday, but then I remembered that isn't... That's not stressful, stress-free at all. Oh, no, that's Holiday's one of the worst. <laughs> holiday is literally one of the worst... The summer holiday is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, one of the other families said exactly that. I mean, the, the summer holidays as a as a unit, the six, well, it's not even six, it's like seven six weeks, and six and a half weeks now, is a nightmare, yeah. an absolute nightmare. I was, this event, I was at, yes, there was another dad called Tony, it was a school thing, looking at transition, and he was asking about... Um, he was saying, what if your child after 19 doesn't go to college, was his question, and they were sort of saying, well you could do sort of a patchwork of things, you know, maybe one day a week they could do this and maybe, you know, you could build in a routine like that. It it was a theoretical question, but he just went, what? It'd be like the summer holidays, but forever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, that's brilliant. It's like, that's perfect. That perfectly sums up 
I'm sure all parents feel this about the summer holidays, <laughs> but I think parents of children in our with children like we have, oh, um, yeah. I think would so relate to the idea of the summer holidays are awful. They are yeah. just awful. And then the bit where you actually go on holiday, you know, we go. We've been to Cornwall, don't we, in Devon, and sometimes we go, you know, to Mallorca and stuff. Yeah. It's just a nightmare. I mean, we put it in one of the episodes, but she went through a period where it was a toss of a coin whether she'd love the holiday or whether by day two she'd be up all night, all night asking to go home. Mm. All Which night. she used to do by finding the suitcases. And and she'd hit the suitcases, the suitcases. And it <laughs> all night. And she would just hate it. She would hate. And it could be the same holiday that you'd been on the year before that she'd loved with all the swimming. And something, just something went against it. And... I mean, you took her with your dad to Lanzarote or, or somewhere for a week, and I stayed behind because uh, I had work to do or something. But you had your dad there, and Frank was with you. Yeah, yeah. And we, it almost reached the point where halfway through the week, I was going to fly out we, we in the morning, yeah. just have her at the airport, and, and just stay on the same plane and just fly back because Sarah was. It, it, it she said it wasn't feasible. Anymore. You know, it, it simply wasn't possible. The flights didn't exist. And it's just as well because about halfway, just after halfway through this week, it flipped. Um, and again, you can't say why. It's just she suddenly, and, and it was actually Frank, you know, he was quite little then. But for some reason, she started engaging with him in the swimming pool. I think we got some little inflatable boat, you know, at the swap bars. And, and suddenly... Like, she was interested. So we got her on this, and he was towing around this swimming pool, and she suddenly started, like, laughing. And then the rest of the holiday, she was brilliant. Yeah. But it was... Um, she was absolutely awful for the first half. Just non-stop, whinging, crying. Do you remember it started when we went to France for my dad's 70th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we put this in that episode as well, but it, it was more funny in real life, just because there were more people there. But it was in France... Somewhere in France. Somewhere in the middle of... Somewhere in the middle of France. France. But it set up this light sort of outside picnic for my dad's 70th. It was a big, long table. And all my cousins and... uh, Sorry, my brothers and sisters. Your siblings. Sorry, I get confused. But loads... So there's lots of people there. I've got loads of sisters. (laughs) And they've got loads of kids. So it's like a big, massive family thing. And she she hated that holiday. She hated it. And there's one bit where we're just sat having outside big picnic south of France or middle of France, wherever. And she just got a chair. She was big enough now to be able to walk around with it. And she got a chair and she dragged it as far away from us as she could. And she put it in the middle of this field and she turned her back to us. And she just sat there with her back to us, <laughs> like in the distance. And everyone's going, is she all right? Is she all right? And I was like, to be honest, leave her there. <laughs> we can see her. We I can, can see know her. She's fine. Except my eyes are there. But to be honest, I'd rather she was over there in whatever mood she's in. Because if she was at this table, she'd be kicking it over. She'd be throwing glasses everywhere. Just leave her. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an absolute low point. Of it was like because yeah. then we're thinking, you know, Christ, and then we got to take her back on a plane. <laughs> And she, she quite likes playing. No, she was all right on the plane. She, she, right, she was quite right. right. <laughs> The last question is what I'm asking all families, and that is, what are you guys most proud of your family for? Ooh. And lots of people have found this difficult. <laughs> I'll say it because he's not here, but I'm very proud of the way Frank's turned out and the way that he 
has the way that he is with her. Yes, I agree with that. It was always um, one of the things that I think has been really nice, certainly for me, and I think probably for you as well, Sean, is that throughout the time that he was at secondary school, um, he never had or seemed to have any qualms about, you know, friends coming back here. Mm. Um, So, you know, like big football matches and things, you know, we'd have a house full of teenagers and, you know, Joey would come in because she'd need to see everybody and, you know, she'd point at each one in turn and, you know, kind of we had to make sure everyone, she knew who everybody's name was, but he didn't seem phased by any of that, did he? And to his credit, nor did his friends, you know. He's never, ever, ever been... I mean, I don't know why he would be ashamed, but I'm going to say it. he's never been embarrassed or ashamed mm-hmm. by his sister. He's always owned her completely. She's his sister. She's mm. his... I mean, I'm not... I'd be overstating it to say that they were, you know, the closest siblings in the world because it's quite... That would be quite hard. But he's uh, he's really good with her. The only yeah. thing I would say is when his friends come around, as long as she's got a t-shirt on... <laughs> She would constantly be naked around that. Well, she'd have a pad on, um, so she's not completely naked. But she just she fell out of love with clothes for a while, which is fine, you know. So yeah, it's it's absolutely fine. Except, and it's even fine with the neighbours and stuff. And I don't think she's she stopped doing it. Now, I think though. they're quite they were quite used to. It. She stopped doing it now, but whenever people came in the house, it was like you'd forget. Yeah. You're so used to it. Yeah. Like, like, oh my God. <laughs> I was on a work Zoom once um, and it was only my friends. So it was like fellow writers. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like you know, heads of important people or anything, but it was a Zoom call and it was in COVID. That's why we were doing it on Zoom. And she just wandered in to see what I was doing. And I was sort of saying, oh, this is Fraser and that's Lee and that's Christine and all my writery friends and I suddenly she just didn't have a top <laughs> and they were all going Sean <laughs> <laughs> you know that Joe's you know and they were laughing obviously and oh, but it was like it became so second nature to me it was you like didn't even realize. I, 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 was she has she got <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me about this stuff because you know I think one other family is listening to you talk about the difficult things and how you've navigated those but also you know the funny things that like we've said only another family who have lived it can really appreciate you know the how funny things are but also how difficult they can be at the time and the the humor is often in hindsight um but you know again just from our families thank you for writing that show because like I said people have have felt seen and I think that's so important and sharing stories and connecting with other people um which you've promoted through the show and you know the recognition of charities at the end and getting support from charities and how important that is it it's really it is going to make a difference um to lots of people's lives so thank you thanks for having us thank you Thank you, Sarah and Sean, for such an open and at times hilarious discussion. I'm sure many of you listening will be able to relate to their experiences. And if you haven't seen There She Goes, do go and watch it. It really is brilliant. This is the first episode of Challenge Accepted. The rest of the series has lots more to offer. 
Next time, we'll hear from Kate, who tells me about life with her daughter Madeline and how she navigates her obsessions when out and about. It will have some of this. You know, you'd go somewhere, I don't know, if you'd think fairly innocently, and then she would see uh, a lake or even, I don't know, a pig trough full of water or a neighbour who had a paddling pool and, you know, whatever it was, she would just spot, spot the water and, and go in there, you know, fully, fully clothed and everything. And some of this. You know, although people say to me, well, don't worry what other people, you know, think or say, it, it still bothers me, actually. I mean, I suppose my skin has, has hardened a bit, but not fully. See you next time on Challenge Accepted. Thank you to everyone who featured in this episode, especially the families whose experiences have fed into the series, and to the Collier Ferguson Charitable Trust for supporting us in making this series, and to James Hoodless for producing the podcast. The Challenging Behaviour Foundation is a UK charity focused on the needs of children, young people and adults with severe learning disabilities whose behaviours may challenge and their families. Please visit www.challengingbehaviour.org.uk to find out more.